Hello and welcome back for Lesson 5B, or the second half, of the Old Testament Overview by Pastor Merritt. Again, it's 5B. This will start if you have the outline, which you can get on westbankbiblechurch.com. Look at the tab for the Old Testament, and it's Lesson number 5. But it will begin at page 11.1.7. However, before we begin, let's remember 1 John 1.9, as may or may not be necessary. Here we go. Old Testament Overview 5b, beginning at page 11 of Lesson 5.1.7. It is difficult not to recognize the hand of God in the beauty and order of the solar system. Point two, the word beginning appearing in Genesis chapter 1 verse 1 and John chapter 1 verse 1 is used in a specialized absolute sense. The beginning is thus separate from that which begins, both preceding and transcending time. The beginning refers to that which occurred before God invented time for mere man. 2.1. According to scripture, when categorically studied in the original language, the creation account is the first in a series of acts. There was first a creation, which Isaiah in Isaiah 45.18 tells us was perfect. Isaiah 45.18. For thus saith the Lord, that created the heavens, God himself that formed the earth and made it. He hath established it. He created it not in vain. He formed it to be inhabited. I am the Lord, and there is none else. 2.1.1 Genesis 1, 1 and 2 A corrected translation tells us this perfect creation became without form and void. Genesis chapter 1, verse 1 and 2. In the beginning, the Trinity created out of absolutely nothing the heavens and planet earth. And the earth became formless and void, empty of any good. And darkness, totally devoid of any heat, was upon the face of the raging waters surrounding planet earth. And the Spirit of God hovered over those raging waters and provided incubating heat. 2.2. What caused the perfect creation to become imperfect cries out for an explanation. And that we will develop later. That there was a perfect creation, which became without form and void, is clearly taught in Scripture. Hebrews chapter 1, verse 10. And thou, Lord, in the beginning, Arche, hath said the foundation of the earth, and the heavens are the works of thine hands. Psalms chapter 102, verse 25. Of old hast thou laid the foundation of the earth, and the heavens are the work of thy hands. The creation was an immediate act of God, prior to time as we know it. The restoration began our account of time. Time is an invention of God, and we both use and abuse it. 2.4. Creation 
was an independent act by an independent God who pre-existed his invention, we call time. 2.5. John chapter 1 verse 1 states that the Logos, the Word, Christ Jesus, by which the eternal and invisible God is revealed to man, was with God, the Father, in the beginning. 2.6. The Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit are presented in Scripture as co-equal, co-infinite, and co-eternal. 2.7. Before the beginning of the creation and restoration process by which the universe and mankind came into being, the Trinity was there. 2.8. John, for our edification, distinguishes Jesus, the Word with the other two members of the Trinity, for you see the only Christ visited planet Earth as the God-man. He came into the world and lived among us. John, chapter 1, verse 1 and 2. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and God was the Word. The same was in the beginning with God. John, chapter 1, verse 14. And the Word was made flesh, and dwelt among us, and we beheld his glory the glory as of the only begotten of the Father, full of grace and truth. 2.9 The Lord Jesus Christ is called the beginning, Arche, and is said to pre-exist all things by both Paul in Colossians chapter 1, 17 and 18, and John, Revelations chapter 21, verses 5 and 6. And they are as follows. Colossians 1.17 and 18. And he is before all things, and by him all things consist. And he is the head of the body, the church, who is the beginning, Arche, the firstborn from the dead, that in all things he might have the preeminence. 2.9.1. Notice who is the active agent of the creation. It is Jesus the Christ. And by him, all things consist. Revelations chapter 21, verses 5 and 6. He who was seated on the throne said, I am making everything new. Then he said, write this down, for these words are trustworthy and true. He said to me, it is done. I am the Alpha and the Omega, the beginning, Arche, and the end. To him who is thirsty, I will give to drink without cost from the spring of the water of life. Point three. Now let's briefly explore this much maligned theory called creation by fiat. 3.1. The work of God in bringing all things into existence is described in Genesis chapter 1 verse 1. Upon this abbreviated description rests much of what we call creation theology. Although basic, it is unknown and overlooked by most Christians. 3.2. God the Creator is a personal trinity. He is, among other things, sovereign, righteous, just, love, eternal, omnipotent, omnipresent, omniscient, immutable, and veracity. 3.3. 
God alone is eternal, and he is both eminent, existing and remaining within, and thus an inherent being, and transcendent, preeminent and supreme with respect to all things. God's acts of creation occurred before anything was. This is what the verb bara communicates. It is translated created in the KJV of Genesis chapter 1 verse 1. 3.5. The idea that the present universe has been developed out of prior materials, though commonly held by many religions and philosophies, begs the question. Sadly enough, there are many Bible-believing Christians who, in their desire to accommodate other explanations, have adopted the blasphemy that God used evolution to create and perpetuate the planet and its inhabitants. 3.5.1 Such well-meaning heterodoxy has no basis in either scripture or physical science. This position, as it relates to physical science, is thoroughly discussed in our doctrine of evolution. Which again, you can find in Pastor Merritt's study books on westbankbiblechurch.com. 3.6 It is of paramount importance to recognize that scripture teaches a finished creation, a fall, a failure, and a restoration. A scripture or two with comment will best illustrate, and yes, I know, several of these scriptures have already been mentioned, but a little repetition with comment is needed. Genesis 1.1 In the beginning, God, Elohim, created bara, the heaven, Shahaim, and the earth, Aretz. And the earth was Hayah, without form, and void, Tohu Vabohu, and darkness was upon the face of the deep, and the Spirit of God moved upon the face of the waters. Isaiah chapter 45, verse 18 For thus saith the Lord that created Bara, the heavens, Shahaim, God himself that formed the earth and made it. He hath established it. He created Bara, it not in vain, Tohu, he formed it to be inhabited. I am the Lord, and there is none else. 3.6.1 What we have just seen in Scripture is a description of a perfect creation becoming formless and empty. What caused this change begs to be answered. Is there any event in Scripture which might help us unravel this conundrum? 3.6.2 as we search the scriptures for a possible answer, we soon arrive at one clear and compelling event, one of such size and importance as to set in motion that which would alter the history of planet Earth. That event was Satan's fall. 3.6.3 Before time was, Satan chose in his arrogance to fall from heaven. He said in his heart, I will exalt my throne above the stars of God. I will be like the Most High. 3.6.4 He, along with one-third of all the angels, elected to leave the third heaven and take up residence on planet Earth. In the sides of the north, upon the mount of the congregation. 3.6.5 
when Isaiah chapter 14 verses 12 through 15 is compared with Psalms chapter 48 verse 2, we begin to see a picture of angelic revolution of no small proportion being played out on a tiny little planet called Earth. Isaiah chapter 14 verses 12 through 15. How art thou fallen from heaven, O Lucifer, son of the morning? How art thou cut down to the ground, which didst weaken the nations? For thou hast said in thine heart, I will ascend into heaven. I will exalt my throne above the stars of God. I will sit also upon the mount of the congregation in the sides of the north. I will ascend above the heights of the clouds. I will be like the Most High. Yet thou shalt be brought down to hell, to the sides of the pit. Psalms chapter 48 verse 2. Beautiful for situation. The joy of the whole earth is Mount Zion, on the sides of the north, the city of the great king. 3.6.6 A once perfect creature, Lucifer, fell and chose planet earth as the battlefield, and a perfect creature, Christ, entered that same battlefield, where in perfection he went to the cross on behalf of mankind to resolve what we now call the angelic conflict. Ezekiel chapter 28, verses 12 through 19. Son of man, take up a lament concerning the king of Tyre, and say to him, This is what the sovereign Lord says. You were the model of perfection, full of wisdom and perfect in beauty. You were in Eden, the garden of God, every precious stone adorned. You, your settings and mountings, were made of gold. On the day you were created, they were prepared. You were anointed as a guardian cherub, for so I ordained you. You were on the holy mount of God. You walked among the fiery stones. You were blameless in your ways from the day you were created till wickedness was found in you. Through your widespread trade, you were filled with violence and you sinned. So I drove you in disgrace from the mount of God, and I expelled you, O guardian cherub, from among the fiery stones. Your heart became proud on account of your beauty, and you corrupted your wisdom because of your splendor. So I threw you to the earth. I made a spectacle of you before kings. By your many sins and dishonest trade, you have desecrated your sanctuaries. So I made a fire come out from you, and it consumed you, and I reduced you to ashes on the ground in the sight of all who were watching. All the nations who knew you are appalled at you. You have come to a horrible end and will be no more. 3.6.7 God created the heavens and the earth absolutely perfect. Satan fell, creating chaos, and God in grace restored the planet in preparation for the ultimate victory of Christ over sin and evil. Now that we have a cause for the perfect creation becoming, without form and void, let's look further at the process. 3.7 
Scripture teaches that after the restoration, there was no creation process in the physical sense, especially as it relates to matter. Certainly, there was change, but not evolution in the strict sense of the word. Again, see our doctrine of evolution for more information concerning change. 3.8. Scientific study of present processes can therefore lead to no understanding of the events of the creation. Since these events were brought about by divine fiat and thus beyond useful scientific investigation. 3.9. This teaching of scripture is supported scientifically by the law of conservation of mass and energy. The first law of thermodynamics, which is one of the most basic and best proved laws of physics. 3.1. This first law of thermodynamics postulate that neither energy nor mass is now being either created or destroyed. Things may change, but nothing new is ever created. Science teaches all has been created that was created. 3.11. The universal reservoir of energy, which really includes everything in the physical universe, must therefore date from a punctilious point just as the Bible and the Big Bang Theory in part declares. 3.12 There is therefore no valid scientific reason to doubt the accuracy of the events recorded in the scant creation and restoration passages. 3.13 The restoration events occupied a six-day period. Each act was complete and each was judged by God to be good. The total restoration he called very good. That's Genesis chapter 1, verse 31. And the, the scripture, Genesis chapter 1, verse 31, And God saw everything that he had made, and, behold, it was very good. And the evening and the morning were the sixth day. 3.14 It would certainly seem possible that the things restored in the six literal days might, at the instant of their creation, have had an appearance of age. 3.15 This is most obvious in the case of Adam and Eve, who were created as matured humans. Therefore, it would be logical to assume such might be for all other objects, both animate and inanimate. Summary 4.1 the restoration, according to Scripture, was accomplished as a series of divine acts. They were done in six literal days. 4.2. These acts were highly organized and completely functioning from the beginning and could very well have been formed with an appearance of age. 4.3. The restoration was completed and finished during a special period in the past, following which God rested in the sense that he had done everything good for man. 4.4. Thus, there remains no reason why we cannot or should not accept the creation and restoration recorded in Genesis as an historical, literal, and factual account of the specific events which took place just as God declared. 4.5. One caution to our brothers and sisters in Christ. In our study, I hope you noticed 
there is no indication of how long the planet has been around. Given the fact we have no idea how long the Earth existed in perfection before the fall, and given the fact we have no idea how long it took Satan to destroy God's perfection, we must not assert an age for the planet, nor should we attempt to describe what was occurring on Earth during either the age of perfection or the age of chaos. Surely, it is clear no one knows for sure. Point five. If you want to know more about creation, chaos, and restoration, I would urge you to get a copy of R.B. Themes, that's T-H-I-E-M-E apostrophe S, book entitled Creation, Chaos, and Restoration, and Clarence Larkin's book entitled The Greatest Book of Dispensational Truth in the World. Now let's return to our study of the fall of mankind and the restoration of mankind. Genesis chapter 3-1, Now the serpent was more crafty than any of the wild animals the Lord God had made. He said to the woman, Did God really say you must not eat from any tree in the garden? Here is the first of many yet future denials of divine revelation and divine inspiration. The first question of Satan was designed to cast doubts upon the veracity of the word of God. Genesis 3-2 through verse 4. The woman said to the serpent, We may eat fruit from the trees in the garden. But God did say, You must not eat fruit from the tree that is in the middle of the garden, and you must not touch it or you will die. You will not surely die, the serpent said to the woman. Point two, the statement, or you shall die, is attacked by Satan. Satan is saying God's word is not true. However, the wreckage of earth and a million billion graves attest to the truth of God and that Satan is the original liar. John chapter 8, verse 44, Ye are of your father the devil and the lust of your father ye will do. He was a murderer from the beginning, and abode not in the truth, because there is no truth in him. When he speaketh a lie, he speaketh of his own, for he is a liar and the father of it. Point three. Further, it can be seen how Eve, like many others to follow, had paid scant attention to doctrine taught in this case by our Lord, and later by innumerable pastor teachers. Eve thought God had said, you must not touch it or you will die. 3.1. Eve had not listened to the teachings of doctrine spoken by our Lord in the cool of the evening. This error on her part would provide the opening Satan needed as he probably reached out and touched the forbidden fruit and then grinned as he showed Eve he hadn't died. One piece of false doctrine will be used by Satan to build further heterodoxy. Today, his lie takes various forms, like the denial of an eternal lake of fire. Genesis 3, verse 5. For God knows that when you eat of it, your eyes will be opened, and you will be like God, knowing good, tov, and evil, ra. Point 4. 
Satan now appeals to Eve's arrogance and jealousy. Notice, Eve had no need for the knowledge of good and or evil. Most people only see sin and evil in this passage, but both sin, evil, and human good are in view. Many unbelievers and seem to be such good people, sweet, kind, and even witnessing, healing, and performing miracles in the name of Jesus, and yet on Judgment Day, God will say, Depart from me, I know you not. Matthew 7.22 Many will say to me in that day, Lord, Lord, I have we not prophesied in thy name, and in thy name have we cast out devils. And in thy name have we done many wonderful works. Verse 23. And then will I profess unto them, I never knew you. Depart from me, ye that work iniquity. Genesis 3, 6. When the woman saw that the fruit of the tree was good for food and pleasing to the eye, and also desirable for gaining wisdom, she took some and ate it. She also gave some to her husband, who was with her, and he ate it. Point five. The woman, Isha, is walking not by faith, but by sight, for she sees that the fruit is good for food, pleasing to the eye and desirable for gaining wisdom. Notice the fruit gave no appearance of anything but goodness, kindness, pleasantness, and aesthetic appeal. So why not eat of it? The problem of walking by sight is that you can be fooled by appearance. Eve, like many today, have no doctrine to counter what she saw and heard. Satan works similarly today. Many unbelievers and nominal Christians are kind and pleasant. But Christ said, I am the way and the truth and the life. No man cometh unto the Father but by me. And that is why the sons of perdition are excluded. He that believeth in me shall never die. He that hath the Son has eternal life. He that hath not the Son shall not see life, but the wrath of God abideth upon them. Point six. The nature of Eve's fall and how it differed from Adam's is not made clear in the Genesis account. We must go to Paul's first letter to Timothy for an explanation. 1 Timothy chapter 2, verse 11 through 14. Let the woman learn in silence with all subjection. But I suffer not a woman to teach, nor to usurp authority over the man, but to be in silence. For Adam was first formed, then Eve. And Adam was not deceived, but the woman, being deceived, was in the transgression. Genesis 3, verse 7. Then the eyes of both of them were opened, and they realized they were naked. So they sewed fig leaves together and made coverings for themselves. Point 7. It was not skin nakedness they discovered, but the nakedness of their dead souls. It was, says Barnhouse, and I quote, that it was more probable that they were clothed in light before the fall and afterwards their lights went out. Light is the symbol of righteousness 
and both are mentioned in Scripture as a garment. Point eight, God clothed himself with light as with a garment. Psalms 104, verse 2. Who covereth thyself with light as with a garment, who stretches out the heavens like a curtain. Point nine. In the transfiguration, Christ's raiment was white as the light. Matthew chapter 17, verse 2. And was transfigured before them, and his face did shine as the sun, and his raiment was white as the light. Point 10. When sin came, they sought a solution, and the solution involved human good. Working their way back into the good graces of God, only later will they learn the more you work, the deeper in debt one becomes. The fig leaves, their solution, were but an impotent substitute for God's imputed righteousness. Romans 4.4-4.9 4, 4 4, Now to him that worketh is the reward not reckoned of grace, but of debt. But to him that worketh not, but believeth on him that justifieth the ungodly, his faith is counted for righteousness. Even as David also describeth, the blessedness of the man unto whom God imputeth righteousness without works, saying, Blessed are those whose iniquities are forgiven and whose sins are covered. Blessed is the man to whom the Lord will not impute sin. Cometh this blessedness then upon the circumcision only or upon the uncircumcision also. For we say that faith was reckoned to Abraham for righteousness. Ephesians chapter 2 verses 8 and 9. For by grace you are saved by faith, and that not of yourselves. It is the gift of God, not of works, lest any man should boast. Genesis 3 verse 8. Then the man and his wife heard the sound of the Lord God as he was walking in the garden in the cool of the day. And they hid from the Lord God among the trees in the garden. Point eight. And they heard the voice of God. What more wonderful sound. And yet they were terrified. Sin separates and creates fear. Fear comes from Satan. Power and love come from God. Second Timothy chapter 1 verse 7. For God has not given us the spirit of fear, but of power and of love and of a sound mind. Point 12. Here we find a loving God pursuing the crown of his creation. His voice has been described variously. It is said to be powerful, full of majesty, that which breaks the cedars, that which divides the flames of fire. That which shakes the wilderness, maketh the hinds to calve, discovereth the forest, melts the earth. Psalms chapter 29, verses 3 through 11. The voice of the Lord is upon the waters. The God of glory thundereth. The Lord is up on many waters. The voice of the Lord is powerful. The voice of the Lord is full of majesty. 
The voice of the Lord breaketh the cedars. Yea, the Lord breaketh the cedars of Lebanon. He maketh them also to skip like a calf. Lebanon and Syrian like a young unicorn. The voice of the Lord divideth the flames of fire. The voice of the Lord shaketh the wilderness. The Lord shaketh the wilderness of Kadesh. The voice of the Lord maketh the hinds to calve and discovereth the forest and in his temple doth every one speak of his glory. The Lord sitteth upon the flood. Yea, the Lord sitteth king forever. The Lord will give strength unto his people. The Lord will bless his people with peace. Psalms chapter 46 verse 6. The heathen raged. The kingdoms were moved. He uttered his voice. The earth melted. Sins are terrible, whether it be a sin against self or others. But the worst aspect of sin, according to the scriptures, is that it is an affront against the majesty and holiness of God. That is why David, after a series of sins, adultery, murder, and the betrayal of his role as commander-in-chief of his military, cried out, Against thee and thee only have I sinned. Neither David nor Adam and Eve could hide from God. There is no place safe except in him, for he is everywhere. God is truly the hound of heaven. Point 14. Let me give you a couple of passages to illustrate what has already been said. Psalms chapter 51 verses 1 through 7. Have mercy upon me, O God, according to thy loving kindness, according unto the multitude of thy tender mercies, blot out my transgressions. Wash me thoroughly from mine iniquity and cleanse me from my sin. For I acknowledge my transgressions and my sin is ever before me. Against thee, Thee only have I sinned, and done this evil in thy sight, that thou might be justified when thou speakest, and be clear when thou judgest. Behold, I was shaped in iniquity, and in sin did my mother conceive me. Behold, thou desireth truth in the inward parts, and in the hidden part, though shalt make me to know wisdom. Purge me with hyssop, and I shall be clean. Wash me, and I shall be whiter than snow. Psalms chapter 139, verses 8 through 15. If I ascend up into heaven, thou art there. If I make my bed in hell, behold, thou art there. If I take the wings of the morning and dwell in the uttermost parts of the sea, even there shall thy hand lead me, and thy right hand shall hold me. If I say, Surely the darkness shall cover me, even the night shall be light about me. Yea, the darkness hideth not from thee, but the night shineth as the day. The darkness 
and the light are both alike to thee. For thou hast possessed my reins. Thou hast covered me in my mother's womb. I will praise thee, for I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Marvelous are thy works, and that my soul knoweth right well. My substance was not hid from thee. When I was made in secret and curiously wrought in the lowest parts of the earth. Genesis chapter 3 verse 9. But the Lord God called to the man, Where are you? Point 14.1. God first called Adam and Eve when they were running away, and the Lord has been calling us ever since. The Son of Man has come to seek and to save those who are lost. In Luke 19.10. Point 15. Man runs away and thinks he has outdistanced God. He turns back to look upon his path and then hears the Lord saying, My child, I came by a shortcut to wait for you here. The fleeing sinner can never escape the pursuit of love. Shall he who made man's feet not catch up with him? He calls the sinner to salvation and the believer to worship him. John Chapter 4, verses 21 through 26. Jesus saith unto her, Woman, believe me, the hour cometh, when ye shall neither in this mountain nor yet at Jerusalem worship thy father. Ye worship thee, know not what. We know what we worship, for salvation is of the Jews. But the hour cometh, and now is, when the true worshippers shall worship the Father in spirit and in truth. For the Father seeketh such to worship him. God is a spirit, and they that worship him must worship him in spirit and in truth. The woman saith unto him, I know that Messiah cometh, which is called Christ. When he is come, he will tell us all things. Jesus saith unto her, I that speak unto thee am he. Genesis chapter 3 verse 10. He answered, I heard you in the garden, and I was afraid because I was naked, so I hid. Point 16. Notice the transformation of mankind. Adam and Eve who once loved meeting with Christ in the garden in the cool of the evening, are now afraid and hide themselves. For their personal sin had now separated them from God. The poet was written, The clouds do not come from heaven. They arise as the perspiration of the earth. Above them is the clear view through all of space to the heavens. When man sins and runs away, he wraps clouds around himself. They will not keep God from seeing him, but will keep him from seeing God. Point 17. Thus had become Adam and Eve, and as their posterity, so also are we born without hope, without Christ, and without eternal life, totally depraved and incapable of doing or saying anything 
of an exculpatory nature except, Father, I believe. Genesis chapter 3, verses 11 through 19. And he said, Who told you that you were naked? Have you eaten from the tree that I commanded you not to eat from? The man said, The woman you put here with me, she gave me some fruit from the tree, and I ate it. Then the Lord God said to the woman, What is this you have done? The woman said, The serpent deceived me, and I ate. So the Lord God said to the serpent, Because you have done this, cursed are you above all the livestock and all the wild animals. You will crawl on your belly, and you will eat dust all the days of your life. And I will put enmity between you and the woman, and between your offspring and hers. He will crush your head, and you will strike his heel. To the woman he said, I will greatly increase your pains in childbearing. With pain you will give birth to children. Your desire will be for your husband, and he will rule over you. To Adam he said, Because you listened to your wife and ate from the tree about which I commanded you, you must not eat of it. Cursed is the ground because of you. Through painful toil, you will eat of it all the days of your life. It will produce thorns and thistles for you, and you will eat the plants of the field. By the sweat of your brow, you will eat your food until you return to the ground. Since from it you were taken, for dust you are, and to dust you will return. And that concludes Pastor Merritt's Old Testament Overview, lesson number five. Once again, I thank you for joining us. Hope to have you back here again. Don't forget, westbankbiblechurch.com. And you can also find the... uh, Doctrine of Evolution there in Pastor Merritt's study books. A wealth of information on the website, of course, as well as the outline, which I quite often mention. Remember, it's oh so easy. Believe on the Lord Jesus Christ, and thou shalt be saved. So long.